When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. We are previewing the season week by week. Well, approximately week by week, depending on my schedule and whatnot. Hey, who knows? You can, Matt, you could be listening to this whenever and you never knew. And I blew it, right? <laughs> That's true. MWR.com's website. We're discussing Air Force Falcons today. This is our what third preview. We've done Hawaii and Wyoming. So if you missed those, you want to go back and listen. Mm-hmm. Just to hit up our feed, Mountain West Fire Podcast or MWR.com, and you'll find it, right? Just Google search it, and we're there, Mountain West Fire Podcast. Yeah, we tend not to be that hard to find, hopefully. No, we've we, we been doing it for so long, it better not be hard to find, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Number one Google search, here you come. It should be happening half the time. So we're talking Falcons. They are, but again, if you want to learn how, how we're picking these teams, it's not just us going, hey, I like this team this week. MWCR on Twitter, we put a poll out a couple days before. You guys vote and decide. And this week, it's the Falcons, who are typically, um, if we're looking at historical purposes, Matt, they're usually the, uh, I'm not going to say pesky, because that's rude to the to the uh, Falcons there, but they're typically well above average, what, eight out of 10 years, essentially? Yeah, it's very rare that they have a down year. And they, like the last like true valley that they've been in is, about a decade ago now at this point, it was that two and 10 season they had in 2013. Yeah. They're usually, they're very good team. They're, they have, they've been only one conference title championship, one title game, but they're always there. Like the Utah state last year, they'll beat Boise state ran a couple of times or be sort of close a couple of years ago. They'll beat teams here, there, but it's a team where uh, this year it's almost, I don't know. We'll get to it. Let's do, let's, let's do what we normally do, Matt. Cause I'm jumping around here last year. We had 2021, and the Falcons of Troy Calhoun typically do what they normally do: win lots of games within the conference. Is there? Do you want? Do you want to mention that? Like the Utah State game was pretty wild. Is there anything else we need to mention besides bowl game record, all that type of stuff? Because that game, and we'll get to it. One of the most interesting, anticipated games I'm looking for this year: the way how it kind of finished out. That was a wild. Well, that was really um, when you when you look back at the at the entire picture of what the Falcons were able to accomplish last year. I'm glad you brought up the Aggies game because, you know, 
the three games that they ended up losing, it took like top notch unit performances for anybody to take down Air Force last year for, for mm-hmm. Utah State in particular, like you could make a case that that was their best overall offensive performance that they had all season long. And they needed every bit of it because Air Force dropped 45 points on their defense too. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, everybody remembers the, uh, the, the Justin Rice uh, red zone interception or goal line interception, but, you know, it, it took any number of big plays for Utah State to just sort of outlast Air Force. And that was mostly true in in the other two games that air force ended up losing too you know you know it took army overtime to to get one over on them again and it took san diego state one of its better defensive performances of the year in order to win on the road in colorado springs and so all three of those losses when you look back you have to remember they were, they were all by one score yeah and they were quite good they were won the bowl game beat louisville they were Again, they're a contender, but they always seem to sort of slip up here and there, which is kind of unfortunate for those guys. It's hard. I mean, it's and we, we say this a lot, especially when it comes to, to contenders. It's it's hard to run the table. And oh, always, yes, definitely. But but Air Force did exactly what you would expect a team as good as Air Force to do in, in games where you know it was pretty clear they had an advantage. And I think you know, the the last best example of that was when they just when they trucked UNLV without even having to attempt mm-hmm. to pass. Yeah, um but but there were other games like that. You know, they did the same thing against Navy. You know, I think they you to a certain extent they also did it against like San Jose State, some other teams that were, you know, not necessarily having you know great years. But he, but that's not to say like, yeah, they got beat by some other good teams, but you know, they beat Boise last year too. So it wasn't like they were beating up on on a lot of teams that were just straight up inferior. Like this was a good team that gave pretty much everybody its best shot and also, you know, beat a pretty decent Louisville team in the bowl game, the first responders bowl as well. So all of that being said, if you transition to looking ahead to 2022, there isn't a lot of reason to think that the competitive window still isn't wide open. Um, you know, if you're like me and, and you look back at sort of, you know, what they were able to accomplish last year, you know, they ended up 54th in SP plus, you know, they were above average on both sides of the ball. It was really the defense that carried them last year. But like in, in terms of net points per drive, they were eighth nationally in terms of available yards percentage per drive. Um, they were fourth nationally. Both of those figures were the best in the Mountain West. And they aren't really losing that much. So that way, when you look at you know some of the some of the some of the preseason prognostications that have come out so far, or at least projections like SP Plus, for example, and Bill Connolly's latest uh, you know update, which came out about a week or two as we're recording this ago now, um, you know they're right in the middle of the pack. They're sixty fourth, um, but with sixty five percent of their returning production coming back it's not hard to see them outpacing that again and being a real threat to win the mountain West again this year. Yeah. And we'll get to the schedule, but it's kind of quick notes. They have a couple of tough road games, like at San Diego state at Wyoming mm-hmm. at Utah state. So those are tricky and UNLV, which we'll get to them eventually, but they had so many one score games last year that were not, I think eight were not victorious, but that could be tricky just because rebels are getting better. They host Boise. So schedules hit or miss, but they do get some, Tough games at home, we'll get to, but like what you mentioned, they have a lot coming back. Search the Hazik Daniels at quarterback, and we know what they do for the Falcons clearly run option attack, 
They have a fullback, like guys like Brad Roberts. But Daniels, he's a guy where it's the same. It's If you know Air Force football or listen to this forever, you know what Air Force wants to do, run the ball, fullback dive when they have it, which they sort of do at the moment, and then get the one guy to go over the top to have like two and a half catches a game but gets like 65 yards <laughs> per yeah. contest essentially. It's about an 18- to 20-yard guy. But Daniels is a what, – what is he, a third-year starter now? Essentially, Is that what he's at? Yeah, this will be year starter? three as a starter. Yeah, so he's been around for a while. Technically a senior of COVID stuff. I don't think Air Force, let's say, had to turn back. They're all more typical mm-hmm. years. But him, he's one of their – they always have a good quarterback. And what makes a great quarterback for Falcons, as we know, is that little bit of passing game. So, like, if you just kind of throw, if you can throw, like, if you're, what, three or four, three or five, three or seven, hovering just above 55%, but you throw, like, five times a game, like three or five, I mean, they'll do that a little bit more because he only threw 104 passes last year, completed about 50%. And that's all they really need him to do, just maybe be a touch better, like get that to 55 60%. But they're not going to throw a lot. And so him just getting that improvement to go along with – do you think he can get 1,000 yards? He had 734 last year. That's, I think, a realm of possibility potentially for this team with not many running backs coming back besides Brad Roberts. So, I mean, you say that it's the it's the passing game that really makes the Air Force work, makes the Air Force offense work. I say it's the decision making. And <laughs> in that regard, you know, Daniels definitely took a step forward in in some respects and maybe at least held the line in some others. You know, for example, yeah, he was sort of thrust into the starting quarterback role in 2020. Um and, and that year, two years ago, you, he did have a completion rate, like you mentioned, around 55%, 55.6 exactly. Last year, dropped a little bit to just under 50%. It was 49.5. But yeah. at the same time, you know, he made some market improvements in terms of his yards per attempt. You know, th- that figure went from eight in 2020 to 11.4 last year. And you know, in terms of, you know, going back to what I said about decision-making, the fact that he cut his interception rate nearly in half. Um, yeah. Granted, it was only three interceptions, I think, in a hundred some odd passes a couple of years ago, but like that comes out to a five and a half percent interception rate, which, you know, for most quarterbacks, even those who you know, like throw the ball sparingly, that's just not going to cut it. Last year it was 2.9. And that is a, that is a much better position for the Falcons offense to be in. Um, yeah, three interceptions with 104 passes. But at the same time, you know, he didn't have to shoulder quite the same kind of running load that some quarterbacks uh, have in the past for this Air Force offense. But I think you could make a case that he wasn't quite as prolific as he was in 2020 on that front. You know, he he did have the 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 94 yard run against Florida Atlantic, but when you take that out, you know, you see on the year. That he averaged, uh, I wanted it was you know, 4.75 yards per carry. If you remove that one run, it drops all the way to 4.1, 4.17 to be exact. So while he did have 11 rushing touchdowns, which is good, I think if if you're if you're Air Force, if you're Troy Calhoun, I think you're maybe just looking for like a touch more efficiency. And, and I'm wondering if if he if he has that in him one way or the other because I say if, if he can improve either his completion rate or his yards per carry by just an incremental amount you know we always talk about like you know 10 better 
if I say if one or the other improve, that could take this Air Force offense, which was very good already last year, to you know that sort of 2019 level where they could be threatening the top 25 with an offense that that plays with with very high efficiency. No, yeah, that's totally. Yeah. I don't think it. You're right. Decision making. I don't think it matters. If I feel like the throwing game is more of the. Uh, it shouldn't be the element of surprise, but it kind of is for some point with these guys. Well, what's forward. interesting is like you know by this point it seems clear that you know the, the game plan changes from week to week. You know, like um, against Louisville in the bowl game, for example, like they came out relatively early in the game and just let Daniels let it fly, and that I think was maybe the best. It, the, you know, the best overall passing performance that he's had in his two years as a starter. He was eight of nine, 239 yards and two touchdowns. Like that's the kind of performance that, you know, we don't see every day from an Air Force quarterback, but I think it's pretty clear that, you know, at least based off of a handful of games over the last two seasons, you know, you think about, you know, the Utah State game in, in 2020, for example, you know, he's seven of nine, averaging 14 yards an attempt and a touchdown or, you know, against Wyoming, he was seven of 10 this past year for 110 yards and a touchdown. You know, just because they don't do it often, it doesn't mean I don't think that they don't have the confidence to let him do it just as a, as a component of how they attack their defense, you know, opposing defenses. It's just yeah, a matter of, you know, can he do a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if I'm looking a little bit more, if let's just say the percentage, not percentage, but the yards per play state or attempt or catch stay about the same. But if you were to get to 55% completion, I don't think his numbers really dip all that much. And that's all I need just a little bit more. Cause if you're looking at 55%. If he throws hundred, like what he did last year, 104, that's what six more completions, seven more completions, mm-hmm. like half a completion a game. Like it, it, it does depend. Cause there's some games they throw zero times or you mentioned the Utah state or Louisville, they start throwing. But just a touch better. Maybe he gets 900 yards. We'll see. But it all it also helps. Like it depends on what they want to do offensively. And with them having returning with the running backs like Brad Roberts back there, who loved the team in rushing, it those guys. When I look at their rushing attack for Air Force, it does it for me. Like the leading rushers, what not whatever, but it has to be. I look at the combined quarterback and number one rushing rushing player on their team. Because that's yeah. about 2,000 yards. Get a, that's where it matters. Like, who cares? I don't care if Aziz Daniels gets 1,200 yards, but if Roberts can chip it with 800, not chip it, but you know what I mean? And then they get about those same numbers. I don't care how they get it because that means they're doing a good job regardless. They don't need to have the one guy 1,800 yards and nothing else. The way the offense works, and it it also depends. Like you mentioned, this is decision-making. You're going to pitch. I'm going to toss him. Like, is the quarterback going to keep it? But with the experience back there in Roberts, who's what is he? Is, I think he's also a third-year starter. They'll him. They yeah. give the ball like Mike Davis a little bit running the ball, but Brian Davis, I guess, technically is a fullback, so they kind of mix in the fullback dive with his uh, bowling ball-shaped size of 205 pounds. But they also have guys like, uh, who is it, is it Dave Kinnaman? He's going to be back mm-hmm. there, but he doesn't have this ton of experience. But, well, but, yeah, but that's he's where crazy. He, he five touchdowns of, is amazing. He, On 37 carries, five touchdowns. It's great. Yeah, I was going to say, you, it, you where we would normally talk about the running backs and the wide receivers separately – you know, you almost have to talk about them together with the Falcons just because, you know, it really is, you know, obviously, you know, even despite having, you know, the, the Mountain West leading rusher, it's almost always a group effort. And so that's where you look down the line and you see that, you know, they had uh, 
eight different guys that had at least 20 carries last year. And every single one of them averaged at least four and a half yards per carry. Yeah, like you go through all those Kidman, whatever, hot DeAndre Hughes. They everybody's they I think they it's all it's always the same almost. Give me three rushers, and then everything else is kind of gravy a little bit. Who will get a handful of carries here or there, but they're all like very productive in what they do. Well, and what was interesting about last year's offense was like, you know, you, you sort of got a sense of, of what they wanted to do very early, which was get the ball to Roberts and just get out of the way. Because, yeah, as a fullback, he wasn't really doing anything fancy. He was just running people over, getting to the second level. Um, you know, that's where, you know, despite the fact that he only averaged four and a half yards per carry, he was able to run for almost 1,400 yards. Yeah. And that and that workload was sort of unique, at least in recent Air Force history. You know, there were there have only been three players in, since 2009. And I'm, I'm just going off the CFBstats.com because that's as far back as it goes. But that's a threshold that only three players in the last 12 seasons or so have reached. You know, one was Arian Worthman, who was a quarterback, you know, and the, and the third was Jacoby Owens, who maybe coincidentally was also a fullback. Full, yep. Got the dive mixing in there. But it wasn't just Roberts, you know, being able to, to you know, keep up that efficiency. Like even the guys behind him, like Emmanuel Michael, you know, only 73 carries, but he averaged almost six yards a carry which was a big deal in itself. You know, same thing with like, the, you know, the third string guy, Omar Fata, you know, another fullback, he averaged four and a half yards carry too. And so, you know, they had multiple guys where they could just keep doing the same handful of things, you know, just either busting it right up the gut or attacking the edges with guys, like you mentioned, like, you know, Brandon Lewis, who's moved on like Kinnaman uh, and, and Deandre Hughes, you know, that threesome, you know, I, I think, you know, Kinnaman averaged, you know, only four and a half, 4.72, but, you know, Lewis averaged over eight yards a carry. So did Hughes. You know, when you look at historically at, at the best Air Force offenses, it's that diversity in the running game that where everybody's able to, you know, do their job to max, you know, to max efficiency that has, that has put them over the top. That's what they got last year. And with the exception of Lewis, who's, you know, with the Tennessee Titans now, everybody in that backfield and everybody, you know, in that, well, I guess the wide receivers are technically part of the backfield, let's say, but, you know, they, yeah. the, the guys that you see it's in tricky. motion every other play, every single one of those guys is going to be back. And that doesn't even account for the fact that they were able to really accomplish what they did last year without a true tailback. Yeah. So like, they, because they we're looking like at, a, you had Roberts fullback, then you had, Daniels, Hughes, Eneman, or Mike, and uh, Emmanuel, excuse me, I'm looking at fullback. They basically had the they first, had, they had, a, they had Daniels, yep. the quarterback, they had three fullbacks, they had three wide receivers. Couple receivers. Yeah, I'm scrolling. Like, where's the first wide receiver? Is it Owen Burke, technically? Six yeah. carries. And so that's something I'm really <laughs> interested funny. to see. Like, you know, do they, you know, do, if it ain't, do they go with a, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of methodology and just let Roberts continue to, your shoulder, the majority of the workload, because they've got guys coming up who could feasibly step into that role. Like Jordan Guidry transferred, but you know, you mentioned Burke, he could be an option. Same thing with Sean Lee Eldridge. You know, both of those guys were sophomores last year. And I would have have to imagine if, if one of them can step up in fall camp and, and give them, you know, that, like that, that added dimension to the offense to make them even more dangerous attacking the edges you know, that's going to be a huge win for everybody in the offense. It, it just makes everybody that much better when they, 
if they can find that. I think what they need is an actual running back. Like, I like the diversity. Go like Micah Davis or whoever they go on the outside. But the reason Roberts has so many carries because they do they do the fullback dive. And Air Force doesn't always have the fullback dive. It's usually it's almost always like the, the uh, Navy or Army offense. I think they're actually mm-hmm. at their best to have the fullback dive because that works better for play action because fullback dive is like that super quick handoff. But if it's a play action and everybody jumps in, so if they, they get the guys in the edge receivers, we always see them going to motion where they have at least three options what to do with the ball, especially if you have a receiver coming in motion. But if they get a, a true running back, and you know, because Daniel or excuse me, Roberts, not a gigantic guy, he's 5'11, 205, but he's not because so he's big enough, like his stout, like what, roundness, I guess, because he's a little bit shorter. That's why he's a good fullback, but he's also quick enough to hit the edge when they need to occasionally. But if they get a full a full on true running back that could do the speed option mixed in with this, like oh boy, that's all they're really missing. Well, there's receivers we got discussed, so they're replacing everything. But because Brandon Lewis is gone, but if they could have that to the offense, like that's just another dimension they could use to just kind of just screw with defenders back there. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that losing Lewis is going to be that huge of a deal though, just because you know they have you know, so many other potential contributors coming back, like, you know, David Cormier is still around. And mm-hmm. it seems like they, we've been talking about him as a potential big play guy for at least a couple of years now. And, you know, that hasn't really come to fruition just yet. But I think if there's one thing that, you know, Air Force is also going to be on the lookout for as we go into the fall, it's, you know, finding someone who can complement Davis as a guy who can stretch the field because, you know, <laughs> You talk about the guy who can go down and average 30 yards a catch. That's basically what Brandon Lewis did last year, only in 21 catches, but he had, you know, 29 and a half yards per catch. That's amazing. And at least as far as other options on the roster, you know, one of those other guys is going to have to step up and do that. And and maybe it's someone like Hughes, who we already know can, has the speed to hit the edges in the, in the running game. Um, or maybe it's someone like Kenneman who, you know, had nine catches last year and had two scores off of those catches, you know, nine catches, 128 yards. Maybe it's Cormier, or maybe, you know, if Kyle Patterson has a return to health, you know, he, let's not forget, he only played in four games last year before he suffered an injury that knocked him out for the rest of the season. So they didn't have that element to the game from the majority of 2021 either. Well, and then even beyond him, Robertson you know, coming in. Yeah. Or, or Jake Spiewak, who's, you know, seen a lot of playing time over the last couple of years as well. I think they've got options and, and Ben Jefferson is the other one too. It's always the who guy. It's like, who's it going to be right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and we don't know who that is yet, but I would, I, I feel like, you know, there's enough confidence in this, in this uh, coaching staff and in this, you know, I guess you would say in, in Calhoun and in Ari Kefesser, the wide receivers coach in particular, that they are going to figure it out one way or the other. Yeah, I think Cormier might be their number one guy just because the experience he's been back. But it's still – it could be some random guy. We don't know exactly. But it's always going to be a guy. And, they, and if they're going to be a team that's going to challenge for a conference title, they have to have somebody step up in that passing game and get what, – what do you say the minimum is for the way they pass? 18 yards per reception minimum for the leading guy. Oh man. I mean, I'm sure if I went back year by year, um, you, you, you would find one guy who had at least like, 
I'm trying to look back. The last time they didn't have uh, a guy, or the, the, excuse me, the last time they had a receiver with at least 20 catches that didn't average 20 yards a catch was back in 2018, Marcus Bennett. But even then, the year before that, he was one of what, three or four guys who averaged 20 yards a catch as, as not necessarily like, you know, uh, the, the guy who was taking up the lion's share of those targets. So, I mean, I guess 15 is like the absolute floor, but I think if you're an Air Force fan, if you're an Air Force player, you're expecting at least 20, 25 at a minimum. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like the minimum. Yeah, that's it. If, if they're going to contend for the title, 20-plus yard receiver, an actual running back to run that speed option, just give them more options. And so that's what they need to do. And then we go to the offensive line where it's been a couple years removed from having – all-American type guys on that line. They have guys like Everett Smalley come up, who's the bright tackle there, Caleb Holcomb, both upperclassmen experienced guys. And they're actually a decent size for Air Force. Not huge, but they get the height like Holcomb, 6'4", about 265. He's big, but not gigantic big because, you know, you got the uh, academy restrictions. <laughs> so they're more of the mm-hmm. speed type of guys. But with those couple of guys back, yeah, here's the thing too. It's the offensive line. They We think the running attack super sophisticated and very different and unique. It's not necessarily the case. These guys have been doing it forever, whether they play like on that university team or that freshman type team they have. And then it's not, it's all the same. It's they were on the same offense. There's not a ton of plays they're running. Cause like, if you're in the fullback dive, if you're a left tackle, what are you doing? Just knocking the guy in the butt in front of you. Right. That's essentially what you're doing. Right. There might be pulling yeah. a guard occasionally, but typically you're just knocking the guy flat. And then if they do a speed rush, you, you kind of block you, your schemes either obviously want to keep the guy in, but you want to kind of go left or right along the line of scrimmage to kind of see who's coming to help or go after the quarterback or running back. But it's not super complicated. So these guys are in this every day, all day the lines. It's there's a difference between them. It's always good, but when it's okay, this is dumb to say when it's like, when it's good, they can still get the yards, but when they're like elite and really good, like a couple years ago, that's when they're very dangerous and can be, one of the best in the country, but they always get the yards. But it's like we always mentioned, the be a little bit better, a couple percent, ten percent here. If their line can be that much better than average, what they typically are, typically are, and that's for every team. It's, I know it's pretty oversimplifying, but Falcons will get the yards regardless. Almost, almost any case, it doesn't matter who the offensive line out there for the most time, most part of the time. But give them these upperclassmen guys out there, and then it could make it's team like oh we're eight or nine wins so like maybe 10 wins or something maybe win a conference or be or win the mountain division if that area if that unit can make it already potent offensive attack that much better well see that's the thing right is they they were quite literally one of the best units in the country last year they were a joe finalist um you know one of four and that was because of a, of a group effort like quite literally, you know, they actually went through, you know, more offensive unit lineups than I think you might've expected last year. Like by my count, they had nine different lineups throughout the course of the year where, you know, they were shuffling guys in and out of the, of the starting five, you know, so for example, you mentioned Everett, Everett Smalley, <laughs> you know, started the first four games at right tackle and then started all but one of the rest at left tackle. You know, he replaced, you know, you know, guy out there, like the only guy who started every single game, in the exact same position is ironically enough, the one guy that got to replace Hawk Wimmer, but you know, they had three different 
starting centers last year. They had two different starting right guards, two different starting right tackles. And it didn't matter because, you know, when you look back at what they were able to, what that unit was able to accomplish, you know, 13th overall in the country in, in average line yards per carry, you know, they, they were one of 13 above three average line yards per carry, you know, excuse me, an opportunity rate above 50%, 51.6, that was 35th. And for a unit that prides itself on, you know, always pushing forward, the fact that they were fourth in stuff rate allowed 11.5% should be altogether unsurprising. And the good news is, other than Wimmer, they've got everybody coming back. Like one of my favorite stats that I was able to find when I was when I was doing research about the Falcons for this podcast, they have they're returning nine different guys who played at least 100 snaps last year, according to Pro Football Focus, and one and only one of them had a run blocking grade under 70. So so it's a unit yeah. that's going to know exactly <laughs> what it wants to do. And it's going to be very good at doing it. And I'm glad you mentioned it smallly in particular, because he and Zachary Thomas were probably one, two, as far as like the best offensive tackles in the mountain West last year. And, and nobody noticed smallly just because, um, well this year. Yeah. And you know, he, like, I don't think he was even, uh, an all conference pick if I'm not mistaken, but you know, according to pro football focus, I thought it was fascinating that he was number one in 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 the in the mountain west as far as overall grades so it's not just about run blocking but you know there's basically nobody in that unit from him to you know isaac cochran to you know wesley and doggo to luke hallstrom you know benjamin mercer like it's the diesels in in many years and especially their best ones it's not just because of one or two guys it's because they have a legion of dudes who will get in there and punch you, you in the last year, right? Exactly. All the, that's why I'm kind of half kidding. Well, you could stick five randos out there who be with the program. Like all these guys are two stars, if rated at all. And they, their size disadvantage. They, well, they use their speed to which, which is a big reason, but they, and again, it's just all discipline. It's all the same. And again, it's not overly difficult what to do. It's just that when they're really good at it, it's, hard to stop it doesn't matter if they bring one, three four starters back this year and all the guys who played ha- played a couple games last year it's almost as if they're starting the lineup is it's everybody's played game it's nothing really too brand new exactly hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and, so and but it's not to say, but it's not to say that they they don't have flaws that they can fix, that they that they should fix going into the fall. The one thing that maybe held them back a little bit last year was pass protection, because as good as they were running the ball, it is worth keeping in mind that they gave up a sack rate of nearly 9%. It was 8.9, 8. and that was 115th among FBS teams, and that was the worst finish for, for a Falcons offensive line since 2017. When you compare that to where they had been, especially in the last couple of years, 
you know, that sack rate that they gave up last year was, if I remember correctly, more than double what it was in 2019 and 2020. So I would have to imagine that, you know, whoever ends up in, in the starting five, when, when we see him out there in, in, in August and September, that, you know, Steve Lobotsky, the offensive line coach, is, is definitely going to be impressing that upon them, that they're going to have to be better in that regard in addition to being as excellent as they typically are when it comes to opening lanes for the runners. Yeah. If they're going to be competing for the conference title, which I think they're in the running, they need every unit, which for any team needs to be well above average. And yeah, the only thing like to wrap up the offense here, there are a couple of question marks. It's most of like who, because receiver, who's it going to be? It's going to be, they're not going to have a drop off. There's going to be some guy who gets about 20 yards per catch. He may only have 20 catches all year, but he'll get be that deep threat. Finding a more true running back, which they got, they kind of bluffed it last year, but without having one, it still did great. And then the offensive line is basically everybody played last year. It's what not many new starters. So mm-hmm. fix a couple of things here or there. And like if the way this team runs the ball, my, like we mentioned, line played so many games last year, so many different lineups. So if there's issues, they've been able to adjust on the fly last year. But at a running back, pass a little bit better. Like they don't even need to really add a running back. Could just maybe have that. Speed element is maybe more what we're looking for. The running back may be just okay because Brad Roberts is fine. They're both good. Daniels is really good. But if they have that speed guy and it's not a wide receiver or it's plus the wide receiver, that just gives them something else to defense to try to figure out. Tim McVay or going back even further. um, Oh, shoot. What's his name? Oh, crap. I always remember. He played for the Eagles. Um, He won player of the year. Chad Hall. Yes, him. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Way, way back in the day. I'm like, oh, I know I'm a kid. I've tipped my tongue. All right, defense. Um, this is the area where <laughs> let's just say the defense, the offense carries this team, typically. Typically. But when we look at not last year. Last year, though. I know. I'm, I said typically. Okay. And right. like the yards per play was third in the conference. They gave it a few yards overall, which I don't care about yards per game that often. But yards per play, they were quite good in the league. And there's always – that's when, again, when Air Force is really, really good, they pass above average for them and have a, have a above average defense. And that's what they were last year. Passing may not have been above average for typical, typical years, but the defense was top third of the conference in most major categories. And look how they finished the year. What, they were 10-3? and three? Is that their final record last year, I think? Losing yes. to just a handful of teams – and with that defense, where they're returning, we'll go through kind of position groups, but that's where they can be. It's like crap. They got a defense too. What are we gonna do here against these guys? And well, the, the are defense we... they are no, undergoing a little bit of transition this year, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just in terms of their their on field personnel too. They are also replacing their defensive coordinator John Rudzinski, who is in Virginia now. They elevated Brian Knorr to be the new DC Finally, and, after it's, and it's, and it's not going to be an, an easy task to match what this, this unit was able to accomplish last year. You know, I mentioned the fact that, you know, they were, they were top 10 nationally in terms of net points per drive and, and available yards percentage. And a lot of that had to do with the contributions that they got from the defense. You know, they were top 40 in terms of points per drive allowed on that side of the ball. And they were 13th in, in terms of available yards percentage allowed, you know, it was under 40% per drive. That's pretty good. And, you know, 
and and that bears itself out in a, in a lot more of the the tradition. Excuse me, the traditional stats too. You know, they had a, a sack rate above ten percent. That was sixth nationally, and and that wasn't all just Vince Sanford, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but you know, this is also a team that was top thirty in terms of line yards per carry allowed, in terms of stuff rate generated, and it's not going to be an easy task. Like they're going to be relying on a lot of guys that, you know, outside observers may not be familiar with yet, but who, you know, this coaching staff took great care to, you know, to break in to this unit over the last couple of years. And now is going to be the time where we're going to learn a lot more about whether those guys can sink or swim. Well, one of the guys you're losing is Jordan Jackson, which will be a pretty big uh, loss. He that's a big one. This, yeah. Not even picked up, drafted by the Saints. I should make sure that's mm-hmm. correct. So lose, lose him. Linebacking course pretty deep overall with that, which is kind of surprising that a Falcons – or not the Falcons, but, like, but an academy team to be super deep. But when you look at what Air Force has done, I believe we're at the point now where the term backs for a couple of years ago, most of those guys are kind of moving on. So that experience mm-hmm. they've had over the past couple of years is not – I, it's it's still kind of there, but those guys are kind of moving on a little bit, so we can't kind of bring can't yeah. keep bringing that up. Like, hey, these guys played all those extra games, but they're still learned from something from last year to this year. What's going on with the defense and the new coordinator? That's going to change a little bit, but it's promoted from within, so it's not a huge change, right? When they bring no. in, it's not an outsider, so they're going to keep the same scheme. Obviously, he'll probably have his own tweaks and things he wants to do to make the defense better. But when Air Force again, when look at the conference where they play and who they play. It's a big deal for certain positions. They you want to be better because when they play, I know they get Colorado, but I don't care about them. But you play in the mountain division. We talk about throwing the ball, Colorado state, Boise state throws the ball, uh, Utah state throws the ball, obviously who knows what New Mexico will do, but they also have a, Oh shoot. Sorry. They play state of Nevada, which uh, we'll see. But overall for the defense, I know about the like the secondary is always a big deal for them because of the mountain division. If they're going to win, a mountain division or a bit close. I think it does. If we kind of start reverse, the defensive backs is a big issue because I know they beat Boise State last year, but Hank Bachmeyer has been there forever. Logan Bonner is a multi-year starter. <laughs> like all the t- Colorado State, Jay Norville is going to sling the ball around. It's going to be an area where they got to stop those guys. And that might be one of the most key areas if they're going to, again, if they're going to win the title or contend, they don't need – it's got to be a little bit better than normal. All I know it's, it's lame to say, but that's the case. Their secondary sometimes, it's hit or miss half the, half the years. Like a couple years ago, it was garbage. Last year, it's really good. It just depends on – with the, I think with the defense is different than the offense where when they get the more experienced guys, obviously they had guys like Anthony Davis a couple years ago playing corner or safety, I forget which one. When they get their upperclassmen back there, that's when they're really good because the offense, we know how it is. Now, when they, like I said, they run the same scheme over and over and over. It's all repetitive. Defense, you're adjusting to whatever every team's throwing, throwing at you every week. You can't play the same base scheme or you don't have a – they're not doing a um, – there's there's very few defenses, like 3-3-5, three, three, maybe the 4-2-5, where your scheme will kind of will help and be so unique against teams. This team, they don't have the athletes that for everybody else for the most part. They're always undersized. So they got to have something special to get back there. And like and looking like the returning guys, they have what half their defense team, which is good. But losing like back I believe, it's, I Jackson, believe it's seven it's starters if I'm all together, if I'm not oh. mistaken. Okay. But if we're but if we're starting with the se- if we're starting with the secondary, I think sure, to your point, 
<laughs> well, uh, and I, but I think it's a I think it's a useful place to start because when you look at the composite versus what the what the secondary what the pass defense did from week to week last year, I think it sort of speaks to your point that you know on the aggregate you know they were right around the middle of the pack or actually they were a little bit better than average in terms of like let's say for example opponents completion percentage. Yeah, they were actually third in the Mountain West behind just Fresno State and New Mexico, allowing 56.1% of completions. So that's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were closer to the middle of the pack in terms of you know yards per attempt allowed, 7.4. You know, 15 touchdowns to eight interceptions, you know, two to one uh, you know, touchdown to interception ratio is pretty solid. And they were, I believe, above the, the Mountain West average and passes defended and everything like that, too. But at the same time, when you look at what they did from week to week, it sort of paints a little bit of a different story. Because on the one hand, they did hold four different opponents last year under 50% completions. But they also allowed more than 60% in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other games as well. So it was very up or down in some respects where, you know, they would, you know, pummel Navy one week, but then get torched by Logan Bonner and, and Utah State the next, and then yeah. go out and, and overwhelm Florida Atlantic and, and New Mexico and Wyoming, but then also give a lot of ground to you know to to Hank Bachmeyer and 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 it's surprising like they didn't throw for a lot of yards, but San Diego State got enough out of its passing game to to outlast him in that one. So, so what you're basically Florida Atlantic, not a good quarterback. New Mexico, not a good Florida quarterback. Wyoming, not good quarterback play compared to the other teams that do have quarterback play. They need to short up against the better offenses. And they're and they're going to have to do it this year without two of their better, at least at least two of their more productive performers from last year. Corvin Taylor's graduated. Molten Bug the third. Trey Bug, he's in the NFL now. Those two guys combined for five of the team's eight interceptions and 16 of their 37 pass breakups. So that's a lot of production to have to try and replace at once. And, and it's not to say that, you know, they're starting completely from scratch in that regard because they do bring back Trey Taylor, the free safety, who was, you know, very good as a run stopper last year. They've got three different cornerbacks who started at least a handful of games last year. Um, to at least you know be able to step up and maybe replace Bug, but it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how that shakes out because you know there is no obvious solution for Taylor. Like they have guys who saw playing time last year. You know, Jalen Mergerson is one. Um, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. I apologize. Um, you know, Jaden Goodwin, I believe, started one game as well. So they've got guys who I would imagine are going to compete for that. But I think, you know, how cornerback settles down in particular is going to go a long way towards, you know, sort of deciding this team's ceiling this year. Just because, you know, other than Bug, you know, that other cornerback spot, at least in the starting lineup, underwent a lot of changes. You know, last year, I believe it was Zion Kelly started the first six games, and then they went to Michael Mack for, you know, the next four. And then by the end of the year against Nevada, UNLV and in the bowl, um, you know, they went to Ion Castingay. So I would have to imagine that by virtue of, of maybe, you know, earning that starting role late last year, that Castingay is going to be the guy to at least get first crack to hold down one of those spots. 
but that's going to be incumbent then on 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 one of Kelly or Mac to step up and and try and secure that that other starting role emphatically. And you know, without really knowing how that competition is going to look like, that I think more than anything is maybe the biggest X factor for for this side of the ball. You know, that makes total sense for against who they go up against, who they play against, what the offenses they face within this conference. Um, it's just it's just the area where if they do it, great, but replace those pass breakups by those guys like Bugs and stuff like that, it's going to be – I don't know how good it's going to be. I think that's – well, we get to schedule discuss things, but I think that might be their weakest point of defense possibly. I know they have a couple – Well, and, the, and the other thing is – the other thing is too, which I'm, I'm really interested to see how they continue deploying him. Mm-hmm. is what they do with someone like Camby Goff. Because I believe he was listed primarily as a linebacker in the starting lineup last year. When you look at the roster from last year, he was listed as a strong safety. So he's sort of that really interesting you know, linebacker hybrid that a lot of teams, Air Force included, like to, like to deploy. But he was one of those guys where like, you know, we, knew, we knew nothing about him coming into the year. And I think, if I remember correctly, I don't think we even mentioned him in last year's, um, excuse me, in last year's team preview. But, you know, he's exactly the kind of player that Air Force always seems to unearth to sort of, you know, fill in the gaps. And so, you know, he was a guy who was a really good all-around defender. Like he, you know, had three pass breakups. He had 42 total tackles and also had four and a half tackles for loss and two sacks as well. So he was a guy who could play in the box and in coverage. And I'm really interested to see if they continue to play him like that or whether they rely on him to be a more entrenched part of the defensive backfield, because I think that's going to make a big difference as well. Yeah, no, I definitely think it will. So what do we, we move back up, I guess, going forward, like our buddy Sean put it together, his um, kind of breakout players type of deal. And we kind of briefly mm-hmm. alluded to it, linebackers, I believe they bring back what three or four starters. I think I know we mentioned Goff kind of get into that area, but he his perspective. If you go check that out, feels that's the deepest area, the area where the defense actually might be its best. One hundred percent. It should be obviously for who they have returning and coming back. But when you when we look at what they want to do, that area, if they can replicate, I know Jordan Jackson played the end, so not technically not technically linebacker, I guess. But having that depth, this is almost like their offensive line. From last year, where now that they had to play a million different units or not units, but different position starts, I should stay along that linebacker group. But having experience back, because again, if that area is it's secondary is weak or not weak, but um, not as good, I guess the best way to put it's, it is re- retooling. Retooling. I mean, I'm trying to put the right way to put it. But this second set of the uh, front seven linebackers specifically, if they can get pressure and make a quarterback throw quicker it can compensate. It's like any defensive area. If you're really good at one area, it helps everybody else out, obviously. But if they mm-hmm. get to the quarterback, they could attack and make, oh, crap, Logan Bonner's throw half a second sooner because they get a good blitz in or get, get their hands up or do something to force him to make a mistake or go quicker than what he wants to. That is going to help. And they have enough players back there who can, who can do that because they they're not going to be – like, they're not going to be a bad team at all. Like, I'm not – downplaying them but the defense is always for me they're i'm always like what what are they going to do defensively what can they stop or what can they do 
and they'll always have a player here or there. But with the deepest, it could be the deepest in the Mountain West Conference. That's what he's saying. But they have enough guys back there where, like this year, received Jace Waters, those type of guys. They're going to make plays. And I guarantee, is it too hard of a guarantee to say one of those guys might be first team all conference? Is that too far? Am I going too you far mean, with saying it could be Matthew Malloy or something? Other guy. You mean besides you mean besides Vince Sanford? I po- um, apologies for Vince Sanford. So uh, there's a million can, names. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I break out? A, can I break out another fun stat? Sorry, do it. And, and this one, this one's conference. courtesy. This one's courtesy of Bill Connolly, who wrote up his his, his Mountain Division preview. I think back back in February or something like that. Three players. In college football all, last year. All had, linebackers, right? <laughs> uh, no, actually. Okay. No. Three, three, three college defenders last year had, with at least nine and a half sacks and 13 run stops among 20 tackles for loss. Will Anderson. Heard of him. From Alabama. Yeah, it, you may <laughs> have heard of him. Uh, Cameron Thomas. Yeah. Who you may have Ashton. heard of as well. And Vince Sanford. There you go. And that guy came out of nowhere. I know for a fact we didn't talk about him in the team preview. No, because See, that's why I kind of spaced and, out of this time around, I think. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, you know, he's exactly, he's like the exemplar for what this defense seems to do year after year, where they just bring in new guys who are so productive that, you know, you look at the fact that they're, you know, that guys like Lakota Wills and, and, and guys like that who have been, you know, big contributors over the last two, three years, DeMonte Meeks is another, that they probably won't miss those guys as much as you might have thought they would this time a year ago because, you know, Sanford broke out. He was maybe the best pass rushing linebacker anywhere in the group of five last year. Um, But I think he's going to need to get help specifically because Jackson has moved on. So, like I mentioned, that team sack rate, um, you know, a few minutes ago, a lot of that had to do with, with what Sanford and Jackson were able to do. The only other guys, or, excuse me, the, the next most productive guys in that regard were Christopher Herrera, who's, who was coming back. We'll talk more about him in a minute and Meeks, both of whom had three and a half sacks. And so we're going to learn a lot more about these young guys who have been, you know, broken in here and there over the last year or so. Where, you know, if Sanford is starting at one spot, you know, then, you know, like I said earlier, is Goff going to be the guy who's starting at the other linebacker spot? Or are they going to move him back to a safe, more of like a safety type role? And if so, you know, what does that mean for the situation at inside linebacker? Because they've got guys who, you know, might be primed for some breakouts. You know, who, like, who's the guy you mentioned a minute ago? Matthew Malloy? Mm-hmm. Because I had, I had other right. guys in mind that I've got my eye on coming into the fall. Who do you got? So, so one guy is Bo Richter. Because he, was, he saw more playing time sort of in the last month of the year in November going into December into the bowl game. And in the last two games of the year, he had a sack and a half. So, you know, he just played mostly sparingly throughout the year. He did play in 11 games. But when he had his chance to shine at the end of the year, you know, he... I would say made the most of his opportunities. I think he also had a big interception at some point as well. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly who that was against. That was against Nevada, uh, also down the stretch last year. So you know, that's a guy who could step into one of those inside linebacker spots and maybe be an impact player right away. 
Uh, and if it's not him, maybe it's someone like Jonathan Youngblood who saw two starts last year. And if it's not either of those guys, maybe it's Alec Mock who started the majority mm-hmm. of games last year as an inside linebacker and is, I would say, of that trio that I just mentioned, the most experienced of them because he also saw a lot of playing time in 2020 as well. You know, he had 53 tackles last year. Not necessarily a guy who was you know super aggressive in the pass rush, but you know he was the guy who was you know definitely rock solid, definitely room for improvement as he sort of you know takes on that bigger role. Or maybe it's someone like TD Blackman who came in with a lot of hype a few years ago, and though he was banged up last year, only played 268 staff snaps, only played in nine games. He, among Air Force's linebacker, according to Pro Football Focus was the best graded in the group, you know, 78.4 overall, five tackles for loss in nine games, you know, one of the better run defending linebackers anywhere in the conference for, for the Falcons defense. That's a big deal too. You know, they pride themselves on, on being able to stop the run. And if he can stay healthy and lock down that starting role full time this year, you know, I would say, you know, I know that our guy Sean went a little deeper on on potential breakout candidates, but like, mm-hmm. if if I'm an Air Force fan, I'm expecting a big year out of someone like Blackman or Bo Richter. Yeah, that would be the case. They need some. They need some star defender to take over the star part that already left. Yeah, and they. I I'd also think, as I mentioned, I'm like throughout the defense, like, well, who's this or who? There's. It's always my big question. But the, honestly, the past couple of years. Defense has been good and above yeah. average, or has it been too many weak spots where, ooh, that area, if that could be better, they're, they're secondary, it's hit or miss, or if they could stop the run. But the past since like 2019, there's a reason. I remember heading, heading into 2020 before Donald Hammond was suspended before he knew what was going on. Like I had them undefeated to be that good. Their defense has been the past couple of years, despite going through a couple of coordinators, has been well above. Like 2019, they were. I mean, uh, shoot, I clicked on, on the wrong tab here. But the past couple of years, they've been above average defense overall. So they, yeah. there's barely a year. I'm looking at passing. I thought I had total defense here. But I guess just off the passing defense as I go through here, like past couple of years, they've been top third, top 30, or what, top three of 12, what's that, 25% of the league. They've been mm-hmm. good enough, not the best, but well above average. And now this is the first year in a couple where, there's a lot, not a lot of new guys, but the start, the start. Jordan Jackson's gone. Bugs has gone. All these couple of players are leaving. And I think hopefully they're at the point where they're recruiting and coaching style and coaching up these guys. Cause again, you can't get the best athletes to the academy for a lot of reasons. This is the first year where it's like, I think they're just going to reload. It'll just be like the wide receiver spots. Okay. What name? Who's going to be their best linebacker this year? Is going to be that secondary guy who has seven pass breakups and two picks? Oh, it's this guy. Okay. By game four, we should know. Well, and, and the overall, upside is too, is that at least along the defensive line, yes, they are losing Jackson. That is going to be a big loss, but everybody else who saw a significant amount of playing time last year is coming back, which is, which is not nothing. You know, Chris Herrera has been a very quiet contributor over the last couple of years. He's coming back as a, you know, that sort of, you know, defensive end, defensive tackle type in the three, four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while they may not have like somebody who's as big as Mosesa Fito was for, for a couple of years nope, there, never, you know, never again <laughs> that, you know, but that, but the tandem of Elijah Brockman and Kalawaya Piscaya should 
be just fine, I would think. I think the trick is figuring out, okay, well, who's going to, who's going to be that sort of secondary piece off the edge, you know, who can, who could help the pass rushing linebackers if it's not Jackson. And I think the obvious answer is Jaden Deergood, who coincidentally enough, when they had to slide Jackson inside the end of the year, and, you know, Jackson actually started the last three games at nose guard. It was Theogood who started the defensive end position for those last three games, and I believe that also includes the uh, the bowl game too. So I guess that'd be four four games, and he responded pretty well. Like he didn't see a lot of playing time until the second half of last year, but same as we talked about with with Richter down the stretch, Theogood was another guy who stepped up too. You know, he saw more snaps and he had three TFLs in the last four games. So if he can maintain that same level of productivity with an expanded role, you know, I Watch think out. Jackson is Jackson is probably the singular or the single most difficult player to replace. But if Theergood can play up to the potential that he showed down the stretch last year, he's another one of those guys that you know they may not end up missing as much as you might think. It's it's those are big shoes to fill. But I think there's reason to think that he can, you know, fill most, if not all, of that role. I I think that'll be the case. So hopefully that's the case. Because again, the experience yeah. is back. Even though those are starting, they play partly due to guys break down. Not that they always do, but the lighter size of these players, there's guys where they need to sub a bit more often. And also, I guess the big point of defense. Dude, often just hold the ball for 45 minutes and you're good to go. Keep the defense fresh, right? That's exactly. also a, a key part to the defense, which I'm half, half kidding, but when they are slightly undersized due to the academy restriction, if they're playing fewer stats on defense, they're more fresh. They're probably quicker than for the most part just because the size, you don't see a defensive tackle outside of like well, a few nose tackles we mentioned, but typically they're a bit faster. And if they have fewer snaps on the fewer reps out there, that will just – make them be that much better when they're out there and not be dragging and being tired. That'll probably happen when they play Navy and army, just because of the aspect of their offense are the same, but that's also a key element to the uh, first defense being good by getting fewer snaps. If they're out there on a, as a traditional pass, like if they want to run option attack, if they're playing out there snaps are pretty even 30 minutes each for time possession, that's not good. So mm-hmm. the offense does need to do their part to help the defense, but I think I do think you're at the point where it's going to be next guy essentially for what majority of the defense for okay they're not going to be amazing but they're going to be they're already I think they're at the point where they're what the expectation is for them to be at worst average but usually above average. Yes. All right. So what do we got for special teams here? So typically they don't have much of a presence in terms of like a return game and I think last year yeah I'm trying to remember what they had as far as kickoff or something they only returned it like. They had like eight total returns, so they that, are, there's really not much to speak out there. But what they're they the fair catch have, team, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they just let their offense go into work. Exactly. But why, why, what they why do have, have an inferior product are are a pair of specialists who acquitted themselves pretty well, considering they were both freshmen last year. You know, Carson Bay had one of the better seasons in recent memory by a freshman punter. He averaged 41.2 yards per punt after replacing Charles Bynum in the second half of the year. So it'll be interesting to see if he can improve upon that in, in sort of his first full year as a starter. And, you know, after splitting some time in terms of, you know, the kicking game, you know, Anthony Rodriguez was three of six early on, 
then Matthew Depor, also a freshman, came on and, and hit eight of 10 in the last, or rather in the second half of the year. And, you know, played pretty well, all, all things considered. And I think, you know, maybe there's one lingering question is whether Depor can show a little more leg than he really had to last year. And, and then maybe, maybe he won't which wouldn't be altogether surprising since Air Force is typically one of the more aggressive fourth down teams in the country. Um, but I think, you know, when they just want to buckle down and get a few points, it seems like they can, you know, count upon having a reliable option or do that, which, you know, it was one of those things where they may not always need it, but that was something that that's something else that they've gotten a lot of in, in recent years too. You know, you think of Jake Quenke, who, you know, when they were a top 25 team a couple of years ago, some of that had to do with the fact that Ken Key was, you know, 13 of 13 on field goal tries. So we'll, we'll wait and see what kind of growth that they have. But I think, you know, that the, the promise is uh, pretty bright on that front. Exactly. All right. Is it schedule time? It is. All right. So Air Force Falcons, as we know, they're non-conference play, Commander Chief style. They got those games coming up. But here's what they have. They don't start a week zero. They actually start week one. Northern Iowa Panthers at home. Do you have an FCS minute? Because I didn't look at the Panthers this week. I do have. I always have an FCS minute. You know that. I know. That's why. That's why. I, that's why I sometimes don't look at the FCS teams very often. And it, it, what about and the I'm Panthers from the, the uh, Missouri Valley Conference? Correct. Yes. Um, not your typical Air Force FCS opponent. You know, a lot. I know that they always like to put out there that under Troy Calhoun. They are unbeaten against FCS teams, 15-0 all time. Um, but, you know, Northern Iowa was a playoff team last year. They were a top 25 team, I think, despite the fact they were only 6-5, and five, and that was when, because they had one of the more difficult schedules anywhere on that level. Uh, and, oh, by the way, they also had a first-round draft pick in, last, in, in the NFL draft in April, you know, Trevor Penning. Um, and so... You know, obviously, you're, they're going to have to replace him. They have to replace their top linebacker, Jared Brinkman, as well as their top receiver, Isaiah Weston. Um, but they do have another Penning, who's a pretty good offensive lineman. Uh, Jared Penning, who's Trevor's brother, uh, was a freshman All-American last year. And they've got the pieces on defense. You know, Spencer Cuvelier, Bryce Flater, uh, Benny Sapp III, transferred to, to UNI from Minnesota a couple of years ago, I believe. Uh, as well as one of the better kickers in in the FCS level, Matthew Cook. I believe he was like an All-American pick by, you know, several publications last year. You know, they've got a, a well-rounded offense, you know, led by Theo Day. So I would expect Air Force is probably going to win this game, but I would also have to imagine that Troy Calhoun is going to make sure that this team does not get taken lightly. Well, as they should, like Air Force needs to, because we've seen FCS teams before be Mountain West teams. And with the new-ish players on defense, they they should never take it very lightly because if their running game goes slow for some reason, they're in trouble. Or if somehow they get out to a 17-3 to lead, the Panthers do something special. This Falcons offense isn't capable of uh, coming from behind. But it, it's a victory, right? There's no reason to say it wouldn't be. I think that's a win. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say there's a there's a decent case that Northern Iowa is better than Colorado. Whoa, really? Colorado's a mess right now. Have you seen Have you seen their roster? Yeah, I know they lost. I yes, they've lost the transfer portal. Was not kind to the Buffaloes. 
They lost their. Uh, and, uh, and, and oh, by the way, the, the guys that they lost had, <laughs> they especially on offense. I did not realize the, the offense was as bad as it was last year. Yeah. On offense, they averaged 4.37 yards per play. That was 125th nationally. And I think it was the worst or the second worst among Power 5 teams last year. Yeah, because they lost Jarek Broussard, who was good in 2020, player of the year in the league. Not great last year, but transferred. They, also lost their they, top two defenders to the NFL, too, Carson Walls and Nate Landman. They were just one of five Power 5 teams averaged fewer than 20 points per game. And yeah. they lost their best players on offense. Yeah, they're you know their quarterback who I I think he's he's you know Brendan Lewis. He's I think probably going to be in a competition throughout the fall with JT Shrout, who is a transfer from I want to say Tennessee. I don't have the roster in front of me. I apologize. Um, but you know, Lewis only averaged six yards in attempt last year, which for the record is not good. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, they've got they've if if they can figure it out, they do have some nice pieces in the passing game that they might be able to build around. You know, they got a tight end, Brady Russell, and a pair of wide receivers, Montana Lemonius Craig and, and Daniel Arias. You know, all three of those guys averaged 12 yards catch last year, which is not nothing. Um, and they do have Alex Fontenot, who's a holdover from you know a couple of years ago. He was he, their former leading tailback, I want to say in like 2019. Last time well, these two be, teams played, could be, but it might be their CMU State transfer Ram, Ramon Jefferson. Yeah, and, so and it he, may not matter he, much in this start, so we'll see. It may not matter much in this game, but uh, you know, I mentioned they're having to replace their top two defenders, and the, they had those two guys last year, and they had maybe the worst pass rush in the nation too. You know, two point nine percent sack rate, one hundred and twenty seventh nationally. Probably not going to matter a huge deal to Air Force, but I would be shocked if they lose this game. Yeah, they it's at home as well. This is, this is a game they should not lose at home. Yeah, they should win this game. The only concern, I don't know what the concern would be. It's a uh, new quarterback, new running back, new Mike Sanford's their coordinator, looks like. So we know Mike Sanford's name around, so that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's a uh, this is worse than yeah, it's gonna be a long year in Boulder, exactly. So they went, they put their two, um, two Wyoming, and again, we already discussed this a bit in our last show. So if you want to go yeah. listen a bit more about the Cowboys, but it's on the road in Laramie. It's a Friday night game, just FYI, night game. I guess the big concern, if you want, if we'll give you the cliff notes, like we say for these league games, new quarterback in town, um, lost one running back, Valdez at Arizona State, and they got Tyler Swen there leading the way, led by defense. Um, who won the game last year? I'm trying to pull up. Well, I mean, or excuse me, Air Force won this game last year too, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, yeah, they lost just the three games. I'm like, yeah, they lost to the three best teams they played last year Utah State, yeah. um, San Diego State, and somebody else in spacing because I moved Army. the schedule away. But Army, oh, geez, Army, come on. But this will be typical to be if the Air Force offense can get past that well, I mean, front seven and the Air Force defense stopping Swen because I don't trust. Do you trust Andrew Peasley to be the quarterback? Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm going to win because of all the newness that Wyoming has, especially at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it during the Cowboys podcast. Yeah, I've, I've got this one as an Air Force win. Yeah, Chad Muma being gone, that's tough. So they go, then they host Wyoming, or excuse me, Nevada. I'm going to say it's a victory because did you see, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it was Athlon or Sporting News earlier this week, ranked all 131 coaches. Mm-hmm. I guess who came in, came in last place. 
Ken Wilson Wilson last. Oh, come on. That's mean. I'm just saying somebody has to be last. It shouldn't be Ken Wilson. Who should be Jerry kill in New Mexico state. There's gotta be somebody out there who's, who's, who actually deserves to be last. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. But also Nate Cox has issues as well. DUI. So that's a problem too. They're six, nine quarterback. Not great. So there's Toa Tau is their best hope of anything, right? Is Don Peterson still hanging around? I forget. We'll get that later. Yes, he is. is. So there's a little bit of stuff there. They got some players, but everybody left town. We we did Nevada preview as well. Oh, no, we did Hawaii. But basically, I forget. It's still early, but we got all these games. But with Nevada, just a quick version. I would expect an okay defense because that's what Wilson's specialty is. Offense, Toa Tau has been inconsistent since his sophomore year, so – I would expect like a decent sized victory over Nevada for Air Force this one. Yeah. Or victory over Nevada by Air Force. They play Navy, CBS game at home. They start, look at that schedule, four or five at home. They're going to start not five bad. and oh. Five and oh, Matt. I'm calling five and oh. They're going to be well, Navy. So, so am I. Yeah. Ooh. Anything about the midshipmen? And, and that's, because, that's, because, uh, that's because the midshipmen have really fallen off the last couple of years, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're um, what's his nut? Oh, geez, who is their quarterback? Carry on Johnson? No, who is the guy? Uh, Keenan Reynolds. Ago, they, Keenan Reynolds. They wanted to fly him in on a helicopter if he was in the Heisman finalist. They should have yeah. done that regardless. <laughs> no, well, and awesome. then Malcolm Perry, yeah, but they don't have Perry after there. that, too. Yeah, he's pretty good, but they've not been where they've been contending for American titles no. or division, division titles. Like they were, do you remember when they played BYU? Okay, it's a COVID year, but. They didn't practice tackling, and you could tell early on. And last year, they had uh, Kenny Montolo had the issue with the higher ups firing the offensive coordinator, bringing it back, demoting him. Things aren't good for Coach Ken there. He, there's a potential if things go awry, he may not be the coach next year. Yeah. So remember how I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast that Air Force was like, you know, they had a, an opportunity rate above 50% and a stuff rate of, uh, you know, that was top five nationally on offense. Yeah. Uh, Navy did not have that luxury last year. Um, they, in terms of their opportunity rate, they were 112th on Oof. offense, uh, 43%, percent, which is for, for a team that wants to run the ball as much as they do, um, you know, having that big of an explosiveness deficit is, is kind of a problem. Uh, and, and while their, their start rate was still top 25, like they were just a mess all the way around. Like they, they were also dead last in terms of team sack rate. Do you want to guess what their sack rate was last year? The sack rate allowed rather. Allowed, like ranking wise. So they were, okay. I'll, I'll give you the ranking. They were dead last. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're dead last. They're awful. That's all I care about. So, okay. So just, I'll, I'll just 23.6%. I was going to joke and say 20% and just laugh at that, but it's worse than my thought. Which That's basically one every, one, one every four one play, every four dropbacks. Yeah. Um, which obviously sort of, pre- which by the way, that was like 10% worse than the next worst team, which was Akron. But anyway, um, but yeah, like, you know, Ty Labatai, who, you know, he had some moments last year, like he, you know, completed 55% of his passes, but he's no Hizzy Daniels, I would say. Exactly. You know, as, as a runner, yeah. he only averaged 2.2 yards per carry. As a passer, he only averaged 7.4 yards per attempt. Um, and, and oh, by the way, Navy also has to replace their other top four rushers from last year. 
Top four, you say? They're top besides Lavatai. Yeah, their top four rushers are all gone. <laughs> That's not good, is it? Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that it's like, you know, they, they could figure <laughs> it out, but it also they might be a situation. Nice. <laughs> it may also be a situation where the defense, which still does have some nice pieces, like they, you know, they de- they graduated Diego Fago, who's uh, uh, in the NFL trying out now. Um, but you know, Clay Cromwell had seven TFLs. John Marshall is pretty solid. You know, you know kind of that that linebacker. Uh, I think they call it the star position with the middies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But either way, this like Colorado, this is a game that at home Air Force should not lose. So I have this one as a win. Yeah, they, they'll be five and zero. Oh. And six okay, and well, two. Do, oh, six. Oh, well, who's next? Oh, they uh, Utah, Utah State. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, hold on. You're you're getting too far ahead of yourself there. Hold on. Five and oh, are they gonna be ranked at five and oh? I don't think so. You tell me that P5 win over Colorado won't give much weight. <laughs> there's there's a real chance that like northern northern Iowa might be their best win. Oh either that or dang. Wyoming. So what's your reason for Utah State? Because I have that as a loss. I mean, like I said at the very beginning, it took Utah State's best offensive performance of the year last year to outlast this team. Sure. And, you know, we'll talk about this more at length when we get to the Aggies, but one thing I worry about, which was something that Bill Connolly brought up, was the fact that they were really reliant last year on things that are really hard to replicate, like third down success and then third down explosiveness in particular. Um, Like I said, we'll talk about it more at length, but I worry that which is not to say that they're all of a sudden not going to be competitive but that their slow starts that they had for a lot of last year are going to catch up to them a little bit more often than it did especially down the stretch last year so that's why i have air force winning this game i mean i I think it'll be competitive but i think that air force you know i think you know the fact that you know their returning production advantage i think is going to play a part in this too there is that Utah State needs to find a replacement on some level, some level for Devin Cop, Devin Tompkins. It could be uh, Cobbs from Maryland who's coming over. Potential they uh, running back. Need, eh, I just like Logan Bonner a lot, and I think Coach Anderson's doing great things there. I just think personally, yeah. it's a road game, and Logan Bonner being there, swinging the ball around, will be that much better this year. So it'll be okay. again. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Air Force wins, but a couple things against them: road game, better quarterback. I. Not better coach, but coach at the same level, about the same. I'd say close to mm-hmm. it. So they're going to be UNLV. Not much to say there, obviously. Are they going to get mm-hmm. back-to-back wins over Boise State? Yes. Is this Air Force team your conference champion already? Is that what we're getting at? Is that where we're leaning toward? Well, it's a little early for that. I'm not going to give away the entire game. <laughs> Why? Well, okay, I have a loss versus Boise State. What's your reason for the victory? It's at home, which helps, obviously. I'm still not sold on the Boise State offense. I mean, I think even if they can turn it into the, into the same kind of fist fight that they did last year, because you know Air Force didn't run away with the game last year either, but no, they also didn't offer up enough on offense to really, you know, to, to be able to stay with the Falcons as much as they could have. So. I, like I said, I'm not will, expecting the Falcons to run away with it, but I do expect no. them to go out and win this game again, especially at home. I think – I know luck is a dumb thing to base things upon. Like, Phil's still like, oh, turnover luck, or there's injury luck, or the football's not round, so bounce is weird. 
Boise State's had some really unlucky offensive line play the past couple of years and running back play a little bit. Like there's no, to be honest, if you're, if you believe that like stuff like, Oh, it's going to turn around. Everything flips the coin. It's going to be 50, 50 or whatever. You know what I mean? It's always going to change. At some point you have to balance yourself out. Mm-hmm. And there's no real reason to say that it will turn it around. But I kind of think with Andy Avalos, the second year, he'll figure more things out for how to be a good coach, but also Boise state lost what five coaches this off season. Multiple coaches are gone. I, I just think it might be me like in the quarterback Bachmeyer. Maybe I'm a believer in George Trelawney. Finally, he's healthy. I'm gonna maybe I'm going this way. Here's what actually this is the better way to put it. I'm going into these games like right now, sitting here in the middle of June, not even the third, second week of June. If Boise State is healthy, I think they can be Air Force. That's where I'm kind of leaning at. Because if they that's, have a similar reasonable. offensive and and I can see what happened last year. It's on the road for them. And I just think if Boise has a strong offensive line or, or even a offensive line that's not I know Air Force played a million, what did you say, eight or nine different sets this year. If Boise can not be injured with, on the offensive line, have this similar unit, Polani's healthy. I know they need a new receiver. I just, at full strength to full strength, I'd lean Boise by a little bit. So, going Boise to win. Then we go to Arlington to play in the stupid Rangers Stadium to play the Black Knights. I'm predicting revenge over Army to also win the commander in chief that year. 10.30 a.m. local kick time. That's crazy. Commander's Classic. They really named it the Commander's Classic? Yeah, I believe that's the official name for it. <laughs> it's not bad. Eh, it's it's a alliteration. But you get the Commander Achieved, the Commander Classic. So what's Army? What's Navy Air Force? Is that also the Commander Classic? I don't think that Commander one actually Classic? has a name. Is Army, Army Navy has no game, right? Or is it called the game? I forget. Is there I think it's just called Army Navy. <laughs> okay. I'm just, okay. So then that's the cool I mean, I, I honestly don't know if Air Force Navy has a, has an official title name. I don't think it does. I think the but Commander I mean, Classic is. Kinda, it's brought to you I'm by this. I'm kind of glad that, uh, that, that this game has a name. Because like, like this game is must watch because these two teams hate each other. Isn't this the one where they block each other on Twitter game week sometimes? Yes, I forget. I forget who does it, but it's happened a few times. Like, no, Ar- no, it's Army game week. Army does that. Army does Petty. Oh, but Petty's good. These rivalries, I love the Petty stuff. That's the fun part. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. And, okay. and it also, I think they also don't like each other because one, they tend to play close games, and especially in Air Force's case, uh, Army's won three of the last four. That's true. And and it's a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know they they play you know, the same kind of methodical, efficient offense that Air Force does. Maybe not quite as explosive, but, you know, and, and maybe not on a per carry basis as efficient. You know, they were 4.82 yards per carry last year, but they were also in the top 11 nationally in both third and fourth down conversion rate. And in 12th, which was more or less neck and neck with, with the Air Force in terms of points per drive, um, I think they were both 11th and 12th. So that gives you a sense of sort of, how good the army offense was last year. But honestly, I think it's all about the defense for this year's team because, you know, Andre Carter, the second 15 and a half tackles last year, 18 and a half TFLs. Like he's far and away their best defender. He's definitely one of the better defenders anywhere in the group of five, to be honest. Um, oh yeah. And they've he's got guys around him. NFL draft club. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they've got guys around him who can play a little bit too. Like, you know, their strong safety, Mark Paul Broughton, 80 tackles, three TFLs, two interceptions last year. 
quarterback Jabari Moore. Uh, I think he had like two or three interceptions last year. Their big question, unlike Air Force, is who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be their QB1? Yeah. Because they've got three guys, I think, who are in the mix right now, uh, at least according to, to Chris Benini of, of The Athletic. Jamel Jones, Cade Baller, or Tahir Tyler. One of those guys is probably going to take on that role. Uh, we just don't know who it is yet. And that is probably going to go a long way towards you know helping determine what army's gonna what what army's gonna look like this year. Yeah, and and all that's also is gonna be good. I know this is later in the year, so it should be settled, but that'll be let's see what we know now for the newcomers on Air Force defensive line and a front seven. That's a kind of a good sign for them if Army's still kind of trying to figure out who's their quarterback gonna be. But by week what eight, week ten, whatever it may be, they'll know who it is. But it's still something they'll need to figure out at some point because Army's played multiple quarterbacks before in the past during the year due to necessity or whatever reason they're not playing well and a million different reasons why you play two quarterbacks, partly because you mm-hmm. get hurt when you run the ball so much as the quarterbacks do. But I don't expect any passing games, obviously, but or passing attempts in this team for at least uh what would you put maybe five max for our army? Something like that, yeah. But yeah, they, I'm going to predict the Navy, or excuse me, uh, Air Force win, just because the uncertain quarterback is a. Uh, it's not good because when you, not to overhash what Air Force does or Army or Navy, but well, it's kind of simple. If they, it's kind of a timing a bit too, like especially when they go speed on the outside. But Army's been a bit better the past couple of years. But I like your, I like your revenge factor, Matt. That's what we're going for here. I've got this one as a loss. No, what you build it up as a, all this, and you say it's a loss? Come on. Because I think if if Air Force has the potential to run into one problem this year, it might just be the same problem that did them in last year. Is when are they most likely to run into a really bad matchup for them? And I think in Army's case, it has everything to do with the Black Knights defense. Yeah, it's a top fifty SP plus past couple of years. And and most of their strength is up front. That's why that's why Air Force is going to throw like twelve times, go nine of twelve for like two fifty. <laughs> Which is why I also have Air Force beating both New Mexico and Colorado State, and I have them that's losing to San Diego State on the road too. That's why I finished up as well with CSU. It's mostly unknown, but if they if they go wide and what Norville does, that could be a more interesting matchup. Just because the secondary for Air Force has a couple of placement guys, and the Aztecs are just overall better team, right? That's running game. Pat, we'll see what quarterback play brings for the Aztecs, but I'm not gonna. Maybe, I mean, I'm not gonna say that the Aztecs are the better overall team. I think the Aztecs are very good, and I think a lot of people are underselling them. Uh, we'll, we'll that's get to why that, I got we'll to podcast. Well, that's why I'm saying. I mean, Aztecs I'm, are gonna win, personally, man. personally, I'm buying stock in both of these teams, but I think what Air Force and Army have in common is they both at least in your recent memory, it seems like they have both figured something out about how to beat, the, how to beat this Falcons offense. You know, you look like, did you realize that San Diego state hasn't lost to air force since 2009? I didn't know it was that long. I know one of those is the conference title game, like in 20, 20- I mean, a, a lot of them in recent memory have been close. Like five of the last six have been decided by seven or fewer points. How many times they play the though? Sticks, they're opposite they ask, divisions. So. They play. Yeah. They play every other year. Or, or every twice every other year or something like that yeah but i'm i guess what i'm saying is like you know i think you know people are maybe overstating the the, the defensive drop off for the aztecs and underselling the potential in the offense this year so well, i see these teams as being roughly similar as far as how question. good they can be 
I was going to ask the question about offensive upside for Aztecs, but we'll get to that when we talk about this team because yeah. I'd like to know what you're just fig- thinking about that because, yeah. So my record overall, nine and three, uh, six and – or excuse me, five and three in league play. I have them 10 and two, seven and one in conference. Ooh, seven and one with the one loss to uh, Aztecs. San Diego State. Yeah. yeah. Aztecs. Okay. What was your other loss again? Navy? Army. No, Army. Army. That's right. Okay. Army. So nine and three, 10 and two. Whew, seven and one. That might be conference champion worthy. Well, people can puzzle together our schedule results as you go if you wish. So that's a good reason to listen to these all in order to know what's going on. You go, hey, you're at the last team. I know their non their conference record going to be is like four and four because you're doing whatever team at the last week of the season the preview. So or or you could just wait until first... I reveal my fabled spreadsheet, which I always do before the season starts. What that too? I got I got. I'm looking at mine right here. Nine to three for a four. So all, all right. right, thanks for listening. MWR.com. We'll have another one shortly due to uh, my scheduling issues. So if you're listening to this as they are rolling out, you'll get another one in a couple of days, and we will. Put up the Twitter poll, Twitter poll, excuse me, for every uh, preview we do. We put a group of four MWC wire. So vote, share it, let people know, and give us thoughts and comments about whatever you want, website, podcast, all that fun stuff. But we'll be back then to uh, discuss uh, team number four. So have a good week. And, um, yeah, football, Matt, a little bit closer, just a little bit.